Well, welcome uh, to our second ever uh, Chatting in the Chapel, Chapel Chat Conversation Corner under the uh, watchful banner of our Mother's Union uh, banner, which uh, my mother is very pleased that we still have on display in our church. Um, but uh, I'm privileged today to be joined by my father, uh, who's uh, joined us from the Bundaberg campus of our church. Uh, which we, I know we have a few uh, people who are joining us from, um, from Bundaberg uh, this morning. Um, so uh, it, it's, it's nice to know that uh, during this season, uh, the reach uh, of the church uh, is much more uh, boundless than uh, has been before. Uh, but we're going to talk uh, today a little bit about saints and blessings and how God uh, has been made possible for us. Um, one of the, uh, the people who did make God possible for me is, is my father. Um, I had no choice but to go to church. Um, I grew up in a Christian family and uh, at the age of eight, uh, dad uh, took us off uh, to theological college. Uh, and uh, from that point on, um, uh, and even before that, uh, Sunday mornings meant going to church, uh, Sunday school. And in my rebellious uh, teenage years, when, when I said I didn't want to go uh, to church, uh, I was made to teach Sunday school. Uh, so uh, that's uh, part of the story of how God was made possible uh, to me. But I know that that's a very different story for my father. Uh, so, Dad, can you tell us about uh, your sort of journey towards church and how God was first made possible to you? Well, I grew up in a family where the name Jesus Christ was probably um, a swear word. I often heard my father call my mother or <laughs> link me to some of the many arguments in our home. <clears throat> when my uh, our brother Jeff was born, I was 10 years of age, and um, I was encouraged to go to Sunday school, but I found I wanted to join the boys' choir. They seemed to be have a lot more fun than... Um, what was happening in Sunday school. I joined the choir just before Easter in 1948. And I was told, I had a singing test and then told, you can be part of the choir for three months, but you can't sing. <laughs> <laughs> you had to learn, you had to listen. But you could participate in all the activities and it was amazing. The, um, my first week was Holy Week and uh, the choir was uh, presenting Oliver to Calvary in um, a, a church in the city. And there I heard the whole story of the cross. Sunday before I'd even learned how to make palm crosses. I was able to teach my son at another time in life. Yeah, but God help me. <laughs> <laughs> it was the nurture, the acceptance of the senior choir members the teaching of excellence of worship that set me on my first journey, I think, to understand the reality and the deep presence of God. St. Jude's Randwick was a so-called high church in Sydney and um, lots of visual aids and bells and things that enabled people to understand the tenets of our Christian life. So that was my beginning. Yeah, and St. Jude's were at Randwick. Um, it was one of those uh, beautiful churches with stained glass windows and with pictures uh, of the saints and the Bible stories. Uh, in our own uh, church uh, here in Rabina, and we do have stained glass, but it's just plain red. Uh, so no pictures of saints. Uh, but um, it's one of the joys uh, of, of life and the privileges that we have in our roles that we see that saints aren't always on our windows. Uh, and I wonder, Dad, if you could share 
some of the, the saints, uh, particularly in those earlier years um, of formation that you experienced um, as you were finding that God was possible? I think the most important were the senior members of the choir who were, I would call now, in retrospect, the saints of the church. There was uh, the couple who um, prepared me for my confirmation, who sponsored me for my confirmation, allowed me to make an acceptance of Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Saviour and the promise to serve him for the rest of my life. There was the youth of fellowship. Remember Ernie, he really tried hard with us kids and we gave him such a hard time. But he had a, a deep love for the Lord. And I think it was that love that we were jealous of. We just wanted to muck up sometimes. But um, I think St. Jude's Randwick had a formation for young people in the, the fellowship years. It's amazing when you look at, in my lifetime, I can count six or seven people who have gone into the, to be clergy and two girls of our fellowship became clergy wives. But it was the nurture, the, um, the tennis club, after even song on Sunday night, here we'd go to someone's house and sit around the piano and um, sing songs and the things of being part of a church family. I think it was a church family of saints. And yes, we had St George and the Dragon and the stained glass windows and all those visual aids that remind us of the heroes of the past. But it was the living saints, the loving, learning people of God that made me part of acceptance that I belonged to a real church family. Still had my family of home, of course, but um, it was those nurturing years, I think, that made the difference in my life. You were telling me a story uh, yesterday about um, uh, an organist in um, our little church in Newcastle, which is uh, the first uh, parish uh, that Dad was placed in, uh, in a little suburb called Cahiba, which I had to remember how to spell yesterday. K-A-H-I-B-A-H. <laughs> um, um, and you were telling me a little bit of a story about what the organist uh, used to say after uh, she uh, received oh, communion. Yeah. She was the first one to take communion and um, probably one of the first persons I'd ever minister to communion to. And I remember that after that first Sunday, I... Just amazed at the radiance of her faith as she knelt there before the communion and received the communion. It was just this radiance of beauty. And I said after the service during morning tea, Holy Communion must be special for you. Um, she said, oh yes, she said, my husband was killed in a mining accident. When I come to communion, I know that I'm in the very presence of God. I don't know because he's in God's presence, he's there beside me. And so communion is just that beautiful experience of the presence of God. And I think for me as a young learner clergy person at that time was that God's presence can be found in the living saints of God's people. We can learn so much for their interaction with the people of God and what they can teach us, not what we think that we can teach them. I think that was one of the special moments in my life. Lots of other saints... When I was confirmed, I was given a little iscus badge, the sign of the fish. And I was in engineering training college in uh, Sydney and uh, one of the instructors said, I see you're a Christian. Would you like to share Bible study with me during lunchtime? And over the time I was in that college, we went through the letter to the Romans. Another saint in my life, I think. Yeah, uh, it's interesting you talk about um, uh, those 
that connection with people after uh, they pass uh, into eternal life. It is a, a rare privilege uh, that um, Dad and I and other clergy share is being alongside those, um, particularly in uh, a funeral service, as they celebrate uh, the love and the life of a person who has passed. And it is something that I regularly say um, that it is, for me, uh, one of the confirmations that God is possible because I see that love is possible after we die. And showing that God is possible um, is about actually reminding people that love is possible. If God is love and, and love is possible and love is stronger than death, then as clergy, we get a little insight of that uh, on a regular basis as we journey with people at that, at that really fragile start, stage of their journey as they're saying goodbye in a physical sense, but actually holding on to something that is much more eternal and long-lasting. Um, but I, I know I'm, I'm really just a baby in, in the woods compared in experience to, to funerals. Uh, in, in one of um, the places where we lived, I know Dad used to do about 80 funerals a year. Uh, it was a retirement capital of the mid-north coast. Dad, uh, what are some of the things that you've learnt about um, the saints of the church and the way that, that God continues to work in and through us um, in your experience with funerals and funeral ministry? I think at every funeral I've ever taken, I've always tried to help people understand that I was committing that person into the depth of God's love. And uh, neither death nor life nor anything can separate us from God's love. And it's often not what the words I said, but perhaps being there with people, sometimes even approaching their death. And uh, the inner peace that um, we can be found, and not by trying to impose ourselves on people's lives as being there to, to stand or sit beside them, to realise that, yes, unique, memorial is important, remembering is important, we belong to the communion of saints, and it's also that um, it's not to go into heaven when you die and pie in the sky. It's something about God's kingdom as an, an ongoing kingdom. We, whether a person makes a commitment to their life in Christ to, in their earthly life, we never know what happens to that few moments before their passing. And uh, I've been with people and just seen the beautiful relaxation of... Um, a sense of beauty as they've just passed from this life into the next. And I think sometimes reminding people sitting beside me, did you see what just happened there? I think it's uh, every person is unique. God loves every person. And God has a plan and a purpose for all our lives. I think that's one way that's helped me, I think. And I think it reminds us, particularly as we, we turn towards our Bible passage uh, this morning, the beautiful words of the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount about the richness of God's blessing that is, is sometimes unexpected. Um, I remember in theological college I was reminded that the word um, bless um, in the original Hebrew is the most complex word. And we get that sense in the Beatitudes that blessings are far more complex than what we imagine. I know it's something that I feel quite uncomfortable at the moment uh, when I hear people say, oh, we're so blessed that we live in Queensland, or we're so blessed that we live in Australia, because it makes me think, well, what does God think of those people in the UK who have just gone into lockdown again, or, or America where they're recording uh, record deaths, or other parts of the world? 
And I'm not sure that God's blessing works that way. It's complex and it's messy and sometimes we can only see it in retrospect. Um, and, I, and I think one of the things as, as clergy, uh, we're, we're charged almost like blessing machines that we, we do these sort of things at the end of the services. Um, but the richness of blessing that we see at, at the bedsides of somebody who dies, but also in the community and the communion of saints that we are called and charged to walk alongside um, is overwhelming and unexpected and surprising. And I think in the last thing that we wanted to do today was just to encourage you uh, that whether you are joining us online or in this building um, or watching this back later, that you are a saint in progress. I was say to people, ask them, um, why are we blessed? And of course they've known, I've given the answer so many times, we are blessed to bless others. And yes, we are. They're coming to that point when we can enable people to say that God is with me now, closer than breathing, nearer than my hands and feet. I come from God. I belong to God. God has a use for me now and forever. Amen. So Lord, uh, may our conversation um, as short and could have gone a lot longer but the timer says that I need to finish Uh, bring a blessing to those who are sharing it with us Uh, I pray your blessing upon uh, my dad as he continues his uh, fruitful and faithful ministry and I thank you uh, for the blessing of the saints both present and those who've gone ahead of us in Jesus name Amen